I do invite you to take out your Bible this morning and open to the Old Testament book of Lamentations. Now, take no, if you need to turn to the table of contents to find the page number, do so. I want you looking at the text this morning as we prepare our hearts for prayer, the book of Lamentations. Uh, you'll find it in your Bible between Jeremiah comes before it and then Ezekiel comes after it. So, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Lamentations this morning, which... Uh, I have found in recent weeks is uh, certainly one of the hidden treasures of the Bible. And I say hidden not just because it's tucked away between those big books, but because it's just underutilized. It's largely neglected by uh, Christians today, by pastors, by Christians. And, uh, but a very, very helpful uh, word from God, uh, not only in the own, its own day, but also in our day today. We'll be in Lamentations chapter 5 this morning to unite our hearts together in prayer. Lamentations consists of five laments, a series of five laments, and they're all surrounding the demise of Judea. The Jewish state is no more. Jerusalem has been destroyed. The people of God they're mostly scattered to the ends of the earth. They are no longer together in one place together as they've constantly known life. They've now, they've been sent abroad all over, leaving just really just a few people in the land and a land that is now really no longer their own. And you've got to put yourself in their shoes. It feels like at this moment that the covenant of God has been abolished. God's promise to them has fallen short. What has happened? Everything he promised, everything he gave to them has been taken away. It's, been, it's gone. And so now this brings about a moment in history in which the promises of God really seem to hang in the balance. God, you promised this, but we look around and we don't have it. And everything God said seems to hang in the balance. The balance, and it kind of brings about this moment of crisis. Who is this God who made these promises? Where is this God? Is he still in charge? Can his people be revived? Because it doesn't look good right now. And Lamentations provides for us an echo of our own oftentimes individual experiences. Because don't we also kind of go through calamities and seasons to where it feels like God's promises to us have fallen short? That maybe his covenant promises, I mean, we're, we confess he's faithful, but then our own experiences seem to indicate that, but where are you? And it's been some time. And this kind of situation or calamity I'm in just continually, perpetually goes on and on and on and on for days and weeks and months and years. Well, this prayer here in Lamentations chapter 5 speaks to not only its own time, but to the trials that we go through as well individually, as husbands and wives, as families, as a church. This is a prayer for the people of God to bring before the Lord. And it's, it's ultimately an application of what James writes in the New Testaments. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. And that's what the, the author of Lamentations is doing here. So let's look together. Lamentations chapter 5. We'll begin reading in verse 1. Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. 
We've become orphans, fatherless. Our mothers are like widows. We must pay for the water we drink. The wood we get must be bought. Our pursuers are at our necks. We're weary. We're given no rest. We've given the hand to Egypt and to Assyria to get bread enough. Our fathers sinned and are no more. And we bear their iniquities. Slaves rule over us. There's none to deliver us from their hand. We get our bread at the peril of our lives because of the sword in the wilderness. Our skin is hot as an oven with the burning heat of famine. Women are raped in Zion, young women in the towns of Judah. Princes are hung up by their hands. No respect is shown to the elders. Young men are compelled to grind at the mill and boys stagger under loads of wood. The old men have left the city gate. The young men their music. And the joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has been turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. For this our heart has become sick. For these things our eyes have grown dim. For Mount Zion, which lies desolate, jackals prowl over it. But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old. Unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. Well, the author of Lamentations is the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah's prayer here to the Lord models in a very practical way how the church of Jesus Christ on a personal level and corporate level should constantly be seeking the Lord. We see Jeremiah here in verse calling upon God in the midst of his trouble. Verse 1, remember, O Lord. O Lord, the word Yahweh there. God's own name, His covenant name. God, you the one who in Genesis 3.15 made a, created a covenant of grace, not of works. You promised a Messiah, grace. Not that Adam and Eve had to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. They messed up. And now they got to fix it. No, in Genesis 3.15, you revealed yourself to be Yahweh and created a covenant of grace. You promised one who's going to come and fix the problems. And so when we come to the Lord this morning in prayer, we're not coming to a God who is looking for us to fix our own problems. He's a God who's looking for us to look to Him and to acknowledge that even in the midst of our calamities on an individual level, on a corporate level, in the midst of whatever it is, He has not changed. He is the God, the covenant-keeping God who has made promises which are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. This morning we come to you, O God, who has kept your promise. It may not always feel like it to me or to us as a church, but you have kept your promise and given us everything we need in Jesus Christ. Whatever the calamity, Jesus is the answer. And we come to you, the great covenant of grace maker and the covenant of grace keeper, 
who has given us your son Jesus in fulfillment of your promise. Jeremiah goes on in verses 2 through 14 after designating the one he's addressing, God in his covenant-keeping title. He goes on to lay out just the details of their desperation, right? Over and over, this is, this is our situation, this is our plight. And the same thing is true for us. And our day, we bring our calamities to the Lord. In this day, the church of approximately 2,600 years was no more. It was gone. It was dispersed. There's no place to worship. There's no building. There's no local city, uh, centralized city location for them to worship. It doesn't feel the same. And so they bring to the Lord, here's our situation. In verses 15 through 18, Jeremiah lays out just the, his own heart. His heart and his desire. And then in verses 19 through 22, how do we seek the renewal of a, a heart that has drifted from the Lord? How do we seek the renewal of a church that's drifted from the Lord? A people that's drifted from the Lord? A family that's drifted from the Lord? Because Jeremiah says the reason we're in this situation is because of us. It's our calamities. It's our sin. We failed. So how do we return? Well, he focuses on in verses 19 through 22. But you, O Lord, reign forever. God, here's our circumstances, and we did this, but you reign forever. Your kingdom reign. You are the eternal one. And I must look at my calamities and my situation in light of you. He goes on to say, but you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. You are the sovereign God. Your throne, you're the king. You rule, you reign even over what I perceive to be my calamities. Well, the things that I go through, that I wouldn't have chose this for myself. I wouldn't have chose this for my, my family, for my marriage, for my church, for my community. But we are not victims of circumstance. You, O oh God, are sovereign. He goes on in verse 20, Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? Well, he doesn't. He doesn't. It's what it feels like to Jeremiah. But God is gracious. God will not forsake his own. And when it feels like he has, what does the author of Hebrews tell us? When he allows us to go through seasons of despair and calamity, he chastises those what? He loves. He intends it for our good. To sharpen us. To, to, to strengthen us in our resolve to know the one true God and to live unto Him. He's the gracious God who does not abandon His people. And then verse 21. Restore us to Yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. How in the world can He pray that? Because He knows God is faithful. Because God is faithful. That... The call of the gospel says, if we repent and confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Even when our circumstances are the product of decisions we've made, the promise is repentance on an individual level, on a family level, on a church level, on a community level. Repentance. And the Lord is faithful to return to his people. 
Do you see how this is a, a, a tremendous prayer, not only for people in Jeremiah's own day, but for us as well? It gives us, it turns our attention. Nothing happened right away as a result of this. But what changed was our perspective, Jeremiah's perspective. This is who God is. And in the midst of my circumstances, my hope is in him.